You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. The Awesome Podcast Network presents The Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. Put your hands together for your host, Republic City correspondent, Tim Bridgewater Bender. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Republic City Report, the Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bridgewater Bender. And the first thing I want to say is that I apologize if I sound a little bit weird on this episode. Um, it's been quite a long past couple of uh, days, seven days, however long it's been since the last podcast. Uh, I did go out of town a lot. I've been extremely busy, and I think it's finally starting to take its toll on me a little bit because my, my voice is kind of starting to go out on me. So I hope... All of this actually comes out and you can hear me. Uh, I want to remind you guys that um, this is, of course, a listener feedback sort of a podcast, which means I welcome your emails. And uh, every episode I read emails and I answer your questions, address your theories, post some of my own questions, and some of my own theories. And we kind of go back and forth on some of our thoughts on some of these things. Now, with that being said, I have a good bit of emails um, and for good reason. As many of you know, there's been a lot of developments in terms of The Legend of Korra in the past couple weeks in terms of it being moved from airing on Nickelodeon over to digital distribution. And I have an opinion on that and I have a very strong opinion on that. But I'm going to hold off on that until we get to the emails because a good bit of emails I got were pertaining to that. Now, I'm not going to read every single one of those emails, you know, because they all kind of pertain to the same topic. So I'll just talk about it as, as well as reading some of the other emails that I got that may have had some more specific questions about things. So with that being said, I'm not going to talk about this episode, which is, of course, the terror within too much. For one reason, it's just one of those episodes that I kind of talked about before to where there's not much that happens. Now, there's a lot that happens in terms of the action and, and the specific once again these up you get these episodes where there's a mission right there's a mission and the whole point of the episode is to see that mission through and that's kind of what you get for the most part with this episode so there's not a lot of things that happen in terms of story development and necessarily moving the story along it really just kind of brings some more questions and kind of sets us up for the next episode which tells us a lot more so with that being said there's not much to talk about during this episode so i won't stay on that too long and plus i've got uh, a bunch of emails to get through uh and i don't want this podcast to go on much longer than it has to because I'm sure my voice sounds terrible right now. <laughs> but for one thing's for sure, I definitely want to thank you guys so much for listening and sending in emails with all your feedback. It's fantastic. It kind of sucks that whatever this is is going on with Legend of Korra is happening right now. But rest assured that I'm still here until the season is over and I will be back even if another season happens. Um, but we as fans just kind of have to hang in there and stick with it because we love it, right? So once again, I'll save more of that until later on and then a couple other things we're going to talk about this episode. 
So thanks again. I want to remind you guys that if you'd like to send me an email with your questions or theories or feedback or anything of that nature, send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com. You can also head over to facebook.com slash republiccityreport and leave me a comment or send me a message or something of that nature. Once again, I don't post too much on that page because I don't have that many likes. I definitely have more listeners than I have likes on that page. That's for sure. I, I know that for a fact. Um, and I, But I know that some people don't use Facebook and trust me i don't blame you for that at all but uh if you happen to want to go over there at some point and give that page a like just to get a little bit more uh, of a community going then feel free it'll be waiting for you now let's talk about this episode um which is a, well this episode of podcast is of course episode 23 i don't know if i said that at the beginning um which means we're getting really close to that episode 25 that i was talking about and I got a couple email suggestions about what I can do for that. And I also have an idea. So we'll see what happens. We'll talk about that later on. And I give you chance, you guys another chance to send in your emails within the next two weeks or so before I get to that episode. <clears throat> now, so let's talk about this episode of Legend of Core. Um, this, of course, was one of... Uh, well, it was just one episode that aired on Nickelodeon because they, once again, I'll get into this later, but we only got one episode that week. Uh, so that was uh, interesting, to say the least. I mean, it's 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 one of those things to where, like, as a podcaster and someone who does this regularly, it was it was a bit of a reprieve to not have to be worried about getting as far behind because there's only one episode but I had gotten so used to having two episodes a week that I got spoiled. And I'm pretty sure many of you got spoiled, too. I mean, it was hard to just watch one episode and then have to wait a whole other week to get the next one. So I want to thank Nickelodeon for that, I guess. But anyway, from what I can recall, this episode begins off with Korra sparring with uh, one of Su Yin's sons. I don't know their names because they don't they're some of those characters that don't necessarily get addressed a lot. But she's just they're just kind of sparring. And we get to see right away that Cora has basically mastered metal bending. You know, not completely, but she's getting close. And we get to see how awesome it is. She now has her own little metal bending whip. Um <clears throat> Which, once again, this is something I talked about in previous episodes, how fantastic it is that they would even include something like that. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, I can't speak for anyone else, but I was not, at the beginning of this season, I was not questioning, why hasn't Cora learned metal bending? You know, it never even crossed my mind until they brought it up on the show. And that just goes to show that they think about these kinds of things. And that's what makes this world such a rich environment, such a rich world with such attention to detail and so much care that they would say, you know what? If Korra is going to be dealing with all of these earthbenders and all these metal benders this season, let's have her learn metal bending. Right. I mean, these are the, this is the kind of thought that is put into this show that a lot of other shows wouldn't put in there. So we kind of get to see the progress that she's making with that. And at the same time, we also get to see the very little progress that Bolin is making with that, which just kind of provides some comic relief, as always, with him. But rest assured, by the end of this thing, he'll be doing some serious metal bending. Now, this kind of leads into, uh, you know, Bolin is kind of down because, well, he's having a hard time metal bending. And on top of that, the time has come for them to say goodbye to Opal. They're going to send her off to the Northern Air Temple so she can train with Tenzin as, as a new airbender. Uh, so that's kind of exciting. 
Um, so we get, I think, a quick little scene of that, of them just saying goodbye and everything. Or, or maybe they go to dinner before they, okay, I think they go to dinner or breakfast before them. I'm sorry, my memory's a little bit fuzzy on it. Um, and we basically just kind of get some funny stuff in there. We get we get kind of a little reiteration of of uh, of Iway's abilities, right? Um, just kind of reminding us that he supposedly had has this ability to tell when someone's lying. Um, but that basically happens, and then we say goodbye to Opal, and she goes off. Okay, now that night is where the action really begins, okay? If you recall, the previous episode pretty much ended with us finding out that Zaheer somehow knows where Korra is. So we're left with the, imp the indication that he and his partners are heading over to Zao Fu to try to kidnap attack whatever you know we're not really sure at that point because we we find a little bit of course a little um a little of a backstory a couple episodes ago about them all trying to kidnap Korra as a child but as you know we can assume that they're still trying to do the same thing now but it's not really clear until they get there so we get them trying to infiltrate Zalfu, which is of course just in you know the the second that I saw that happening I was like here we go here we go here we're about to get some really good stuff here and once again just bringing up the attention to detail that this show has things like for example and this and to some people especially people that um are younger um this kind of stuff probably won't make a big deal because they're not used to watching cartoons or animated shows where this kind of stuff doesn't happen well i've seen tons of them but just small details like the fact that Team Avatar, everybody was in their pajamas, right? They're in bed and they're in their pajamas. Now, I know that that sounds like such a small thing, but there have been plenty of cartoons throughout the history of time where they, the creators, the animators didn't care about actually changing their clothing when they're in bed. You know, they would just be wearing whatever it is they normally wear or they would never sleep. I mean, think about how many how many animated shows you've seen where the characters just never even rest. You know, the fact that they even took time to show something like that and then they put them in their their sleeping clothing. I mean, attention to detail in this show is fantastic for that kind of stuff. And I'm the kind of person that I analyze this show on such a level to where I notice those kinds of things. And when it happens, it sticks out to me and it, and it just brings a huge smile to my face. So. <laughs> so enough about that. Um. But yeah, so we basically get these guys and they kind of successfully infiltrate. But, you know, they're not counting on the fact that there are these animals in there that can kind of they're awake and they can see what's going on. So we get um, Pabu and Pabu is kind of he sees what's going on. So he decides to start making noise, tries to wake Bolin up. Of course, they kind of just. He just kind of writes it off in the beginning because you know he doesn't know exactly what's going on but it's just enough to kind of wake him up and sort of get him into this alert state of mind um so then they head over to Cora's room directly which as a as a viewer as a viewer at this point in time you should be questioning a couple things first of all how did they get into the city so easily right uh one thing that sue has mentioned several times is that this is one of the safest places on the planet and then not only that, they know exactly where Cora's room is. They basically go right up to her window where she is. So as a viewer, you should be wondering at this point, 
uh, how did I know all this? You know, and as someone who's been, you know, basically writing and watching these types of things for a long time, I'm automatically starting to put the pieces together to say, okay, there's some kind of an inside job at work here, right? Somebody told a secret, somebody's a traitor, somebody betrayed the avatar. Otherwise, how will they just know all of this stuff? So they go there, and then of course we get this pretty cool sequence because they you know naga spots them immediately but they knock out naga but then Korra wakes up and then they knock her out and it was just a very exciting uh span of events the way it happened um i i really <laughs> i mean they knocked her out but i really was just looking forward to just seeing her jump outside and fight the four of them at once but don't worry we'll get that later on in the season i'm sure but they managed to knock out Korra, and then at this point, they're getting away with it. They've, they're pretty much kidnapping her here. Um, but once again, Pabu is being pretty persistent, and because of that, Bolin spots him in, an, in another very exciting moment. He yells, wakes up Mako, and they both rush out to Korra's aid. You know, once again, moments like this kind of get your energy flowing, adrenaline pumping. It's all excitement at that point. So they walk outside and it just goes directly into fight mode. I mean, there's nothing really to talk about here. You've got the avatar. It's time for you to let it go. Now, of course, all the commotion and the yelling and all of that is going to wake up everyone else. So we get Zhao Fu guards. We get Su Yin. We get uh, Lin. We get uh, even some of Su Yin's kids come out to help. We get all these people out to help rescue core from these these four people and what we get is this very impressive fight sequence that kind of leads into this standoff where they end up in the middle of just one of the uh metal bending uh areas um because lynn basically boxes them in using metal sheets i mean and it's always impressive to see them all use their bending in such unique ways to um to, to basically, you know, contain the battle. Uh, once again, it would be extremely easy for them to just do really simple stuff like, well, let's just bend a metal ball at them. Let's just bend a rock at them. Let's just throw some water at them. But this show is so much more than that. It's so much be beyond that kind of stuff. And this is something I mentioned in previous episodes. You know, when they get into these fights, I want you to start paying attention to the ways that they use their bending. Because you will start to appreciate this show on a much different level if you start to pay attention to that kind of stuff. Because it's 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 very, like I said, it'd be very easy to just have them all just throwing stuff at each other. But it's never like that. It's always a very creative way that they use it. Um, now, the only one that doesn't get to be used too creatively is fire because, well, it would burn everything, right? So you have to kind of go for a direct hit when it comes to fire. But with everything else, you can kind of get a little bit more creative with it. Um, and they do that. So we get this standoff, right? And this lava bender, which I don't know if they mentioned that before this episode, that this character was a quote unquote lava bender. I mean, the whole time I had just been referring to him as an earthbender. I'm assuming lava bending is just another form of earthbending. Um, what I don't understand, though, and then this is an opportunity for someone to send me an email. Uh, send me an email to republiccityreport at gmail.com if you have a theory on how this works. Uh, because he's obviously an earthbender, but where exactly is he getting the lava from? Now, you could argue that it's coming from the center of the earth, right? But the way that they show it, it doesn't seem like that's what's going on. It's almost like he's creating lava by rubbing earth together or something like that. I mean, I don't, 
they've that's not something that I, unless I'm forgetting something, that's not something that they actually explored much, even in the last Airbender. I don't remember there being any lava benders. I mean, I remember sand. I remember swamp benders, blood benders, uh, you know. Uh, combustion benders, but I don't remember lava. So if someone can send me an email and kind of remind me of that, uh, I will read that email in the next episode and we'll talk about it. But nonetheless, it's still cool, right? It just kind of provides this opportunity for them to kind of be what it does is it sets up this situation to where they all have to work together to get her back. Um, classic standoff, you know, sort of thing, you know, that you see in a lot of movies but play it out very well. Uh, they go for a head-on attack, but it's just not working. They're all, Zahir and his crew are just way too good for that. They're deflecting this, and they're deflecting that, and they're shielding themselves, and it's really not getting them anywhere. So they have to come up with a plan. you know. And, and, and basically, the combustion bender is pretty much <laughs> shutting everything down, so there's not much that they can do. So they come up with a plan, and the plan is that Lynn and Sue are going to go up to the top of this arena because they just happen to be right under this latch, this opening, and they're going to go and attack from above and hopefully surprise them so that the combustion bender won't have a chance to make them explode. But they have to distract her first uh, and, and kind of, you know, hit her with something, kind of daze her in order to, you know, so she'll lose her powers temporarily, which I'm pretty sure is something that was established in the last airbender that, you know, if you hit that, if they hit that assassin in the head with something, he would be temporarily kind of out of commission. Um, which is, once again, you always, you gotta love how they establish things in The Last Airbender, and then those things still make sense now. You know, once again, the attention to detail. So that happens. They go on up, and they prepare to come down, and through a couple of quick situations and dialogue of them uh, mistakenly thinking that it's time to attack, before Bolin is prepared, they go, they head down toward on their, their cables and Bolin doesn't have much of a choice. He has to go for it. He has to make a move. He does right in the nick of time, causing the combustion bender to basically release an attack, but it kind of, it's kind of misdirected and it ends up knocking out, well, not completely, but at least stunning all of the, uh, all of her comrades. And in that moment, Lynn is able to swoop in and get core. Now, meanwhile, Zahir has recovered or, or, or something, and, you know, he's coming out of nowhere with his uh, airbending glider. And in another very impressive sequence, he flies up toward, and they're kind of, you know, going back and forth. And then here comes Sue, and she basically bends these metal spikes through one of the wings of the air glider and pretty much takes him out. And there's nothing he can do at that point. Now, what I love about this is that it's just so it's so emotional. It's so exciting because the second he gets down, he's like, we failed. I mean, and at this point, you're starting to understand, wow, they don't just want to kidnap Cora because they're crazy. You know, there's a great there's a bigger purpose here in their eyes, because for them for, to a hold on to this idea for 13 years of not talking to each other and they all just release and happen to be completely okay with going <laughs> going risk it again and risk going back to prison it must be extremely important to them and b 
just really the risk of their taking here. I mean, we've we've gone. You're going into one of the most secure cities on the planet uh, to try to get core. So you know what's important at this point. We don't know exactly what it is uh, at this point in time, though. But they fail and they basically escape. Um, and then at this point, everyone's wondering, well, where did they go? How did they get away so quickly? Once again, further tying into the idea that they have some kind of an inside track to Zhao Fu that will allow them to escape so quickly without being seen. Um, so basically, um, we, we get a moment here to where um, we, we, we head back into the interior and uh, and they're basically just kind of going over in their heads. What could have happened? I thought this, you know, Len is pretty much going off on Sue, just saying, you know, what could have happened here? You know, you said this was the safest place on the planet, whatever. And Len is like, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I don't this kind of thing never happens here. And then Cora kind of comes to and she says, you know, something that had to be one of the guards because to her, in her opinion, that's the only thing that would make sense. How else would they get in so easily unless one of the guards let them in? Right. So it kind of brings up this whole side mission of trying to find out who the traitor is. And Suyin's like, find out who it is. They're going to pay for betraying us in my city and so forth. So we kind of get this short little montage thing of them just kind of interviewing different guards, which once again, going back to the amount of detail that they paid into the show, you know, they... <laughs> Each character has a different name. They look different. They kind of talk different. I mean, you know, they just they just this world is so fleshed out that you can really believe that all of these different characters actually exist and have their own lives and own families and everything. And this is one of the things I love about the show. So we basically we have Iway, of course, who's sitting here interviewing all these people because he is I forget what the actual name that they gave him. But he apparently, you know, he can tell when someone's lying. So they have him lined up with all these other people interviewing them one by one. They basically go through all the guards at the main camp there. And, you know, Lynn is not, Lynn and Sue have made up, but she, Lynn is not completely over everything. So she even suggests that maybe Sue. Um, and if I mix any of these names up, please, please uh, remember that. I'm just <laughs> I'm just kind of talking. So it's hard. Sometimes I mix names up, but I hope you guys know who I mean when I say that. Because Sometimes I'll slip up. I'll listen back to the episode and realize, oh, I meant to say this person there. And I hope you guys just know that that's who I meant. Um, but yeah, so even even Sue sits down and he says, no, she's she's not guilty and everything. But they get one more guard and then this the things start to come to the forefront. And he he. Uh, Iowa thinks that this guard is lying and, and he says, you know, let's go search his place and everything like that. So, of course, they go search his place and all of the evidence is just conveniently there and it's conveniently overwhelming evidence and it's kind of irrefutable. And at this point, once again, as a viewer, you should be saying to yourself, uh, someone is not being truthful here. And it's probably the guy who you would think would be the most truthful, right? Because... <laughs> That's kind of his whole thing is truth, right? He can tell when someone's lying, but that one person is the one who's probably telling the biggest lie of them all. So at that point, I figured out that it was Iway. I mean, I think most people did. I mean, if you didn't figure it out right away, then, you know, that's fine. But at that point, I knew it was him because it was once all of this irrefutable, convenient evidence starts to show up condemning someone else. And the only person who can really uh, get away with something like that 
because of his reputation and his quote unquote ability, you can tell that he's going to be the one who's who's guilty. And, you know, and, and Mako kind of puts it together, which was kind of was kind of uh, good. Well, he didn't put it c- completely together, but he's the one that basically sparks the doubt. Right. He sparks the doubt. Because he's so used to being a cop, he's thinking, well, we've got the evidence. Let's go confront him with it right now. Get a confession out of him. We need to get some information so we can go track down here and his gang because they're getting away. But Iway, casting a little bit more suspicion on himself, is like, well, no, let's just let's just wait a little while and uh, we'll do it later. You know, casting suspicion. So as a result of this, these conversations happen. And then later on, of, of uh, weird and... <laughs> Uh, help from Varric, they kind of decide, they kind of decide, okay, you know what, we have good reason to believe right now that Iway should be a suspect in this as well. So they decide to try to catch Iway when he's not home, go into his house, look around, have a look around. They do that and they come up with these, they, they do they do find some, some, uh, some evidence in there that would make him suspect, right? Um, he's got this bookshelf that slides out that leads downstairs and they're saying, you know, this could be the way that Zahir escaped, but of course he's on his way back. So they kind of have to hurry and put things back the way they were. But of course, leaving a couple things out of place, is going to be enough for him to realize that they were in there, uh, basically fooling around with the stuff. And that's what happens. He comes back. They have some dialogue exchanges. He basically realizes that they were snooping around and then at this point they're looking at him as a serious suspect and then realizing he doesn't have really much of a choice he just kind of attacks and then escapes he runs away he pulls up this huge wall of metal and at this point Cora's not quite a master so it takes her a little while to tear a hole through the metal she goes down there's a bomb in the room rigged to blow blows up Cora protects them I'm sorry I'm kind of speeding through now because I'm realizing that I'm talking longer than I'm supposed to <laughs> But she basically shields them from it. Um, and then Lynn shows up as well as um, Sue. And Sue is just basically heartbroken, right? Because this is like her closest friend, her closest confidant. And it's basically been revealed now that he's been lying and he betrayed her. And he's possibly working with Zahir and the rest of the group. Um, so they decide to put out basically an APB on him saying that he's a fugitive, you know, you know, Lynn is kind of heading this thing up, and, and that is that. Now, we get to a point to where Cora's deciding, you know what, Naga can track his scent, which I don't know if it's something that they ever really established before, because it makes you kind of wonder, well, why didn't you do that earlier in the series, where, you know, why, why, I mean, you know, this, this show is great, but obviously it's not perfect. I mean, there's going to be a couple little things every now and then that kind of makes you wonder, well, why didn't you just use Naga before to find so-and-so or, or whoever, but I don't know. I'm sure you can find a way to explain all that to yourself or rationalize it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so she thinks, well, Naga can pick up his scent. Let's go. Let's find him now. You know, we need to find out what's going on because <clears throat> we're, you know, he's going to just keep attacking clearly at this point. But Lynn's like, you know what? You can't. Because, you know, if they got you here, they can get to you anywhere. We need to take you back to Republic City where we can get some trusted people around you. I can protect you and watch you. And Cora's fighting it because we know how she is. She's very brash and hard-headed and stubborn. But when Sue comes in and says, hey, you know what, listen to Lynn. It's probably a better idea for you to just kind of stand back and calm down, go back to Republic City. And, you know, I will find our way. He'll pay all of that. 
you know, we don't realize in the moment, I didn't realize this either. She's just basically telling her this just to get Lynn to kind of disappear for a while. So Sue goes and visits Cora later on and says, you know, do you really think Naga can track him now? She says, yes. So she gives them something of eye ways that they can track. And, you know, Sue wants him just as badly now. And but she also understands that Cora wants to be the one to do it because she's got a personal reason here. I mean, they did try to kidnap her. And if anybody has a, stands a chance of beating them, it's really her anyway. So she says, go, you know, take this etc and then of course the journey to find highway begins now if there's anything you would like to say about that or anything that i may have missed because once again um it's been a couple of days since i've watched this episode and uh i'm kind of trying to get on a little faster so i can get to these emails so my apologies if i missed something extremely important in the episode and left it out uh, but send me an email to republiccityreport at gmail.com if you happen to find a case for that. And just send me an email in general about anything else. Uh, and I will read on the next episode as if as I'm about to go into these other emails. So just moving right along um, over to the email segment. I'm going to go back a little bit. I actually have an email from July 23rd that I want to touch on here. Um and some of these will be kind of general things and some of these will be pertaining directly to an episode. Uh, but I'll try not to keep this too long. And, you know, I apologize now if I don't read your entire emails. I'll just kind of get to the point, get to the questions, because uh, if you want to send me an email and it's just a comment about something, then that's great. But if it's not something that necessarily provokes a response or or uh, needs an answer, well, I may not read it on the podcast, but rest assured that I read it. Um, because I only have so much time, so I don't want to spend too much time just kind of reading comments uh, about things that don't may not necessarily require a response. So um, I'm going to give you the short version of this email that I, I got from Haven. Haven, thank you so much for being a new fan to the show, and uh, I very much appreciate your emails and keep them up. Um, and this one was pretending to a trailer that you had seen for book three, and Haven was just kind of expressing their excitement about that and i did watch it and i had actually never seen it um but the thing that i did learn while watching that 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 trailer is that that trailer was obviously old because it you know most of the things that happened in that trailer were things we'd already seen happen in the show but not all of it so yeah the, some of the things you say about the criminals in the sam bender city and bowling swimming away from some giant magma balls there are a couple things in there that haven't we haven't seen yet in the show so if you want to see that you know head over to nick.com go to the trailer section and it'll be book three official trailer it'll be there you can check it out and see you know a little sneak peek of some things that you may not have seen yet so haven thank you so much for pointing me toward that because it's always cool to just get a little indication of what's going to happen next uh the second part of your email here um says also, do you think it's possible that Mako and Cora will get back together? They've already given Bolin someone else to fall in love with, Opal, so he's out of the possibilities for Cora. But do you think? But what do you think can happen? It seems as if Mako was put in the series for Cora, and they didn't exactly work hard to make their relationship work, which was probably because of the stress they were both in at the time. But I know Asami could still date Mako too. Anyway, thanks again for answering my endless questions on your podcast. You're awesome, and I hope your podcast eventually gets all the recognition it deserves. <clears throat> Haven, such wonderful, wonderful, sweet words, and I appreciate every single one. And I thank you 
for saying that. Uh, once again, I do this. Um, I don't do this for myself. I mean, I, I am a, I'm obviously a huge fan of The Legend of Korra. Uh, but I do this for other fans like me. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you guys are actually enjoying it. And keep all the positive feedback coming in because all it'll do is, <laughs> is keep me motivated. So to your question, uh, sure. Um, I, when it comes when it comes to things like that, I mean, any anything is possible, right? Um, I can say that I don't think it's going to happen this season uh, because I think if and, I, and I'm talking about the possibility of Mako and Korra getting back together is because uh, there's really no indication so far this season that they're building toward that. You know, if it was something that was going to happen, I think we would already have seen little hints of it. And I think the biggest hint that we've seen of it is seeing how upset he was at the thought of Korra being kidnapped. But, you know, that doesn't even have to be romantic, really. That could just be, you know, she's the Avatar. She's a friend. So... Could they get back together? I think so. But I, I don't think it's going to happen this episode because one thing I've noticed is that ever since book one, they seem to be getting away from romantic stuff in terms of Korra. You know, I, it seems to be getting less and less about that kind of stuff with her. Um, and yeah, they're kind of introducing some romantic stuff between Kai and Janora and Bolin and Opal. But as far as Korra right now, I think where her character is at this point in time, is just a little too preoccupied with, you know, not being kidnapped uh, to really be thinking much about romantic stuff. And not only that, um, even though her and Asami have, seem to be pretty good friends at this point, um, you know, I think that would just kind of make things a little more awkward if one of them were to get back with Mako, you know, and I don't necessarily think he would want to just to kind of stay away from that awkwardness um you know i as, as a guy i can tell you there's nothing more awkward than being around two ex-girlfriends at the same time and <laughs> you don't want to actually do anything to kind of ignite that anymore so with that being said totally possible do i think it's going to happen we'll see much more of it this season i don't think so but then again stranger things have happened so I want to thank you for sending that email, Haven. And there's one more here from you, actually, real quick. Um, you came across a GIF or GIF, I forget what the actual pronunciation of it is now, um, that one of the creators posted on his page. And it's a pretty cool GIF. Uh, I won't tell you what it is uh, for you other guys, that, but I'll tell you what I will do is I'll post this link that Haven gave me on the Republic City Report facebook page so if you want to go take a look at it you can just go there and click on it and take a look at it yourself because it is pretty cool okay so i'm going to move on to another email here i've got from janice janice thank you so much for emailing me um and your your email is about episode uh episode 22 <clears throat> which of course was uh original airbenders um so we're going to go ahead and take a moment and see what it says here I'm having a little weird problem with my recording device right now. Hopefully, uh, it doesn't get any worse. I apologize if anything weird happens. Okay, um, I'm going to read Janice's email because it's a little bit shorter. I'm sure you've gotten several replies now by uh, by now concerning this, but I'm pretty sure that water bending is the only element bending that doesn't have its beginnings with any terrestrial creature. I think it was mentioned in, in Avatar The Last Airbender that the original waterbender was the moon and was learned by the water tribe by watching how the tides were affected. 
which I can see and can also understand why many in the fandom consider waterbending as overpowered. Anyway, I'm a new listener to your podcast and I'm really enjoying it so far. I made my way through a couple other Avatar-themed podcasts that just weren't up to my standard, but you grabbed my attention with your attention to the finer details and subtle nuances that's inc- that this incredible series has to offer for even its much, much, much older than Y7 audience. I look forward to listening to your future episodes and filling your inbox with theories and ramblings. <clears throat> Janice, thank you so much for that email. Um, first, to just get to address the end of your, 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 your email here. Uh, I'm so glad you're enjoying it. Um, I, I've, I've heard that before. I've heard a couple of times people say that they listen to other podcasts about uh, the show. And to be honest with you, I don't. Uh, I don't listen to any podcasts about Legend of Korra. I guess it's just because I do one and I just kind of want to do my own thing with my own perspective and do it my way. So I don't listen to any other as to not, you know, sort of inadvertently <clears throat> get influenced by them. I just... This show to me has always been about, you know, me discussing the details and things about the show with you guys. And I just try to view this show in in a different way than most people will look at it. It's so much more than just a cartoon to me or anything like that. So that being said, you know, I don't know anything about the other podcasts that are out there, Uh, but I thank you for choosing me. Now, let's go back to the first part. Uh, You're right. Now, if you remember on the last episode, I believe, you know, I, I was having some hard time remembering exactly what the original form of water bending was, right? Because I knew that fire benders had dragons and earth benders had badger moles and air benders had sky bison. But I could not remember if there was an animal associated with water bending and if the uh, the original water bending was the water bender was the moon. And when you said when I read your email, I remembered then. I remember there being some conversations about that <clears throat> in, in in Avatar Last Airbender. It's still a little weird, I think, in a way, considering the other ones have animals, but this one doesn't. But once again, with this show, it just makes sense, right? It makes sense because the moon does affect the tides. And on certain nights with full moons, on very rare occasions, people can bloodbend, you know? At least that's how it was in the last airbender and then we got legend of Korra, and then you know a guy just pretty much you know um aman and tarlock's father just kind of mastered it and taught it to them and then it, it kind of became a different thing at that point but uh <clears throat> they they have certainly established the fact that the moon plays a very big role in waterbenders and their abilities just as the sun does in a lot of ways for firebenders so Janice, thank you for clearing that up for me. I think a few of the other emails that I got actually addressed that, but I won't read those because uh, <clears throat> you were the first one. So, you know, thank you to everyone else who emailed me that as well. But um, yeah, I got it now. <laughs> okay, so thank you once again, Janice. Email me anytime. Okay, so let's go to Haven once again. You had an idea for episode 25. Now, if you're not familiar with what that's about, uh, I mentioned this before is that I'm getting I'm getting closer and closer to episode 25 of this podcast. I mean, this is actually episode 23 right here. So it'll be here before we know it. And what I was doing is I was taking ideas and suggestions for things that you guys may want to see or hear for that episode. Um, so I have a suggestion here from Haven. So I'm going to read it. Hello, I remember from a previous episode that you said you had read the majority of the Avatar The Last Airbender comics, 
Perhaps you can tell us what happened to Zuko's mom. I've read the first comic of that story, but I've never gotten around to read the rest. Plus, it would be neat to know what they did while trying to find Zuko's mom and what happened to her, etc. Um, that is correct. I have read what I believe to be to have been the majority of those comics, but it was probably about two years ago and I never finished because I got caught up. Right. I read however many volumes were out at that time, but I, I was caught up. So I had to wait till the next volume was released. Now, somewhere within that time, I just kind of forgot to go back. So I haven't I never actually got to the point to where they explained what exactly happened to Zuko's mom. They were building toward that, but I never actually finished it. So I could probably try to finish that and find it online somewhere and try to finish it before episode 25. But for right now, I don't want to promise that just because I, I get extremely busy and be completely honest with you. It's really hard for me to have to find time to sound and read things. Um, so, I, you know, I'll, I'll aim to do that for you guys, but um, we, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely an interesting story. And honestly, if I'm remembering correctly, in the beginning, there was an option uh, that the create the creators originally wanted to just kind of make that into a miniseries or a movie but nickelodeon was like no we don't want to do that so let's so they decided to make a graphic novel um several graphic novels so if you haven't had a chance to f to read those um i can't think of what they're called right now i'm sorry but if you just google the last airbender comics graphic novels you'll find them the story actually does continue in graphic novel form kind of picking up on the story of Zuko trying to find out what happened to his mother. So those do exist. So they are out there. Uh, I'm going to read the second half of your email here, Haven. Anyway, can't wait until your next podcast. And I'm currently feeling like a living, walking bomb of furious anger and rage. I looked at the upcoming episodes for tonight because I'm so obsessed. I like to read the summaries over and over. And it's only showing one episode. Sad face. It was supposed to be showing both the terror and the stakeout. This is an outrage, in my opinion. <clears throat> if I had the authority, I would gather up all the Legend of Korra fans and have us all march down at Nickelodeon <laughs> headquarters, waving signs and shouting, show two new episodes of Legend of Korra tonight. But of course, I'm sure the whole thing works out better in my head than it would in real life. Anyway, have a nice trip out of town, Haven. Haven, I couldn't agree more. And the thing is, is that uh, we're going to get into this in a minute. But of course, there was a reason why they only showed one episode. Right. And we're, we all know now. And actually, at the time I got your email, I knew about it because I think they had just announced it. Um, even before that episode aired, they announced it. If you follow Legend of Korra on Facebook and things like that, you kind of found out sort of what was going on. Um, a little sooner than most people may have found. A lot of people found out after finding out, well, trying to find out, well, why did they only show one episode all of a sudden? But we'll get more to that in a moment. And as always, Haven, thanks for your emails, and I, I appreciate the, the positive feedback. So we're going to move on now to Thomas, uh, who has an email about the terror within, um, of course, which is the episode that this pertains to that this episode of podcast pertains to so thomas will start here and read your email sad to hear core is going digital only why does nick not have faith in core with the lack of action shows on the big three kid networks i'm scared that we're entering a dark age now some thoughts on the show 
Cora master metal, mastered metal bending very quickly. I wonder how quickly she learned lightning. Without her avatar mode, she needs something to even the score. Zahir and his crew are so talented. Defending themselves in a city of metal is amazing. Even losing, they're unstoppable. I didn't notice before, but Zahir is using Aang's glider. Dude is bold. I almost want him to be a misunderstood good guy. They did just knock her out instead of killing her. Team Avatar are expert detectives as well as fighters. I was getting creepy vibes off Iway, but I was thinking it was a red herring. I feel like he's not the only one we should be keeping an eye on. Well, thanks for the awesome show and keep up the good work. Thomas, thank you so much for emailing me. Um, to start off with your first question here, which is kind of the biggest thing. You know what? Since it's the biggest thing, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that last. Uh, just some quick remarks about the other things that you said. Um, you know something? Core learning lightning is something that I never thought about either. I didn't think about metal banding. I didn't think about... Um, did she... I don't... Did she learn... Did she actually end up learning bloodbending from Amon or something? It's been a while since I've seen uh, book one. But I'm pretty sure she never learned that. Or she learned it but just never decided to use it. I can't remember if it was something like that. Um, but yeah, her learning lightning will be cool. Uh, but, you know... Funnily enough, we haven't, unless I'm mistaken, we haven't seen lightning yet at all. Uh, this series, or maybe we have this series, but certainly not this season. Um, because for one thing, we haven't been around many firebenders. Uh, we saw Zuko for a little bit, and of course Mako is a firebender, but he can't light. He can't bend lightning. Um, and I can't admit it would be cool to 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 see that. But, uh, man, then you start to get to someone who has a lot of abilities, right? And <laughs> I, I, that can be just as problematic in some ways than, than them not having that, you know? Because then there becomes such a thing as being too powerful in a way. And not only that, but remember, with bending lightning, it takes a lot of practice. I mean, she picked up metal bending pretty easily but even ang had a hard time with bending well i don't know i'm sorry did ang i don't think ang bended lightning i don't think he did zuko zuko had a really hard time learning how to bend lightning, and he was pretty much a master a firebender at that time because uh, it's one of those things to where it's very if you don't aim it directly and you don't channel it correctly it'll kill you so i think it's like the most dangerous form of bending that there is and um for one thing, there's no one to even teach her right now how to do it, and uh, it just would kind of be a bit much. But yeah, to, yeah, it would. I I am too curious to see how quickly she would learn. Uh, yes, I do ag agree that Zahir and his crew are very talented. Now you say here, I didn't notice before, but Zahir is using Aang's glider. Um, did did they confirm that? Did someone make a statement about? that being Aang's glider is there something that I missed there I mean I'm not disagreeing with you I'm just wondering when was that established if you can point me to a specific episode a specific line of dialogue or something that you noticed that give you the impression that that was Aang's glider then that would be great because if that's a detail that I missed with as much attention I paid to this show then I'm slacking so I didn't if that's true I didn't realize uh, I just need you to kind of if you can point me somewhere uh, to where we can confirm that that would be great but uh yeah and you're getting creepy vibes off Iway, and he's not the only one we should be keeping an eye on Ooh, who knows you know there are a couple episodes left many plot twists can still be 
uh, surface, you know, I mean, even Varric can still end up being involved in this somehow. <laughs> Who knows? But once again, Thomas, thank you for your email. I appreciate it. If you'd like to email me, send me an email, republiccityreport at gmail.com. Okay, two more emails here. Now try to keep these quick. Um, Mark. Mark is, I think, one of the listeners who's been with me since, basically since the, since I started this podcast. So I want to thank you so much, Mark, from Australia for emailing me once again. Mark was behind, uh, so he really just got to watch the episodes. Um, oh, and you know something? I forgot. I, I forgot to mention the <laughs> the whole thing about Nickelodeon. Okay, I'll say this, and then and then we'll and then we'll talk about that before I read Mark's emails. Um, but Mark, as a as a result of this whole thing, funnily enough, so it actually kind of ties in. Mark did not get to watch the episodes until recently because I first of all I believe he watches them all online anyway, and. You remember something that I brought up on on episode uh, I think it was the first the first episode of book three of this podcast. I mentioned the fact that you know Nickelodeon just kind of spit these shows out, right? They kind of they waited about two weeks until before premiere date to tell anyone about it, which was strange to me. And because of that, a lot of people didn't know, especially people that don't have Nickelodeon or can't catch it because they're in a different country and have to rely on watching online. So Mark um, really just got caught up with all the episodes. So Mark kind of sent me a couple of emails, just kind of giving me his opinions and thoughts on every episode until we got caught up. Now, obviously, I can't read all of those, Mark, because <laughs> I'm already going way over time here. Uh, but rest assured that I read them all. I just can't read them all on air. Uh, but what I will do is, is pick out a couple things that you mentioned, and we'll kind of talk about that. So when you sent me an email pertaining to episode five, um, and you know what? I keep saying I'm going to get to that big conversation we need to have, but it'll probably make more sense for me to just do it after these emails. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still a little discombobulated from my long week. Um, okay, so here we go. Hey, Tim, just listen to the new podcast. And I know these emails have been staggered, but that's just how I'm going to do it. Hopefully that is all good with you. You expressed that this is probably your favorite episode out of this season and probably the whole series. I absolutely love the character development that this that that, that this had and the amazing scenery and setting of this episode. Um, OK, and then you kind of talk about episode five. But let's see. I think that there was a question in here. OK, there's a theory that that's I wanted to talk about the theory. One theory that I have is that Mako's mom could be the explosion woman in the anti-Avatar team, and that is how her family relates to the story of the season. Um, wow. Now, see, that that is a theory that um, that is something that I never thought of and no one else has brought up. Um, that would be interesting. Now, what Mark is referring to here is that once again, I don't know the other, I don't know their names, but the combustion bender, the new assassin lady. Uh, Mark is saying that a theory that he has is that maybe that's Mako and Bolin's mother. Um, I'm not going to say that that by any means is a bad theory. Uh, I'm just going to say that it's unlikely. And, and here's why I'm going to say that. Um, it just doesn't seem like they're building toward that. I mean, honestly, we got about two episodes of Bolin and Mako and, and Bossing Say just kind of, 
you know, visiting with their old family and it was their dad's side of the family at that. So it doesn't seem like they would build to any sort of revelation. It doesn't seem like they're building into any to any sort of revelation in terms of their mom because they've been focusing more so on their father with him being in the Earth Kingdom, right? So it'd be a little weird, I think, to shift over all of a sudden and say, oh, that's their mom, this Fire Nation woman who's been in prison for 13. I mean, it just doesn't seem like they're planting the seeds for that. Now, that's a theory, and it's definitely something that could be addressed in maybe the next book because i have a feeling the next book is going to make so you know more so take place in the in the fire nation and then who knows what kind of revelations we'll get from that um not a bad theory it's very interesting um but at the same time you know then you start to have to you have to start, kind of start asking yourself the question well why why didn't they recognize their mom well, no, I'm sorry. Well, why didn't she recognize them? You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe they were fighting too fast and it was too dark and all of that. So, but and then you have to also start wondering, well, why did she just leave her family? Because we, at this point, we don't have any indication that, let's say, for example, this combustion bender had somehow, had they been, they had been planting these little seeds the all season about her not having a memory before going to prison. Right. Let's just say that they have been saying they've been throwing out these little hints every now and then about her just having a life that she didn't remember before meeting Zahir. Then you can start to rationalize, OK, at some point that's going to turn into something. And then you may be able to say, well, maybe they're, they're, it's tied into Bowman and Mako somehow. But they really haven't done that. All they've really said about her is that her and Zahir were had a relationship. Um, once again, not to say it's not possible. I just don't think there's going to be any sort of revelation about it this season. But that's actually a pretty good theory. So, Mark, thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to read. I'm going to address one more of your emails here, um, and this one actually kind of ties into what I, some things I can possibly do for the 25th episode. Um, and you also make some some comments. So I'm really going to kind of focus on the 25th episode stuff here because I believe most of this are, are some comments. We'll, we'll see. OK, it says, hey, Tim, finally caught up. Got to love days off in relation to the 25th episodes. I know you are a musician, so maybe you could do a song about Korra or Avatar in general. The other thing I thought would be cool would be some kind of a fight scene mashup. As you mentioned, you were proficient at video editing. Um, yes, that's true. I am a musician. Um, I both sing as well as play drums. Um, this, this is not a bad idea, but this kind of ties in also with the other idea of, uh, oh gosh, what was the other idea now? Oh, of me reading the comics and then talking about them. It's just such a short period of time now. Um, because I'm just now really getting to read these emails and that my next episode, the 25th episode is the episode after next. Right. And at the time of me recording this episode, 24 is actually already out like that. I've already seen it. I'm just going to record that podcast next. So really, in a way, I only have about a week or so to prepare for the 25th episode. Now, what I'll do is I'll probably just wait, right? Okay, so the 20, the 25th episode will be out this Friday, and today is Monday. 
So after that episode, um, well, I'm sorry. After that episode, I may give it a, another week before I put it up just to give you guys more time to get suggestions in for what you'd like to see. But with that being said, it's not really enough time for me to necessarily write a song or read a bunch of things. Or, and I love the video editing idea, but once again, that's something that if I wanted to do it right and I wanted it to look good, you know, I would have, I would need some time for that. And I'm actually really busy. <laughs> um, I really had to kind of force myself to come in here and do this because I should be asleep right now and resting my voice. But I was, I was so behind, I didn't want to get any further behind for you guys. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. So all good ideas is just I don't feel like I necessarily have enough time right now. But with that being said, you know, doesn't mean I won't do any of this, though. Actually, writing a song, you know, something very short and kind of simple and fun may not be a bad idea. And that's something that I can just put on the podcast. Um, so maybe I'll. If, if anything, if, if there's anything out of these suggestions that I've gotten so far that I may be able to pull off, it may be that. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Now, just a couple other comments you had here. I think there were some questions you were kind of answering that I that I posed. Let's see. The waterbenders didn't have an animal. It was just the moon. OK. Uh, in relation to the Avatar state, Korra lost her connection to the past lives when Vatu Unalak was smashing her while she was on the rock. Yeah, I think I just kind of mentioned that. Um. My memory was a little fuzzy on that, um, but she refused with Rava so she can reaccess the Avatar state. Um, you saw a lot of Aang and Kai when he got angry. Yeah, I made I kind of made that 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 connection there. Um, yeah, you kind of mentioned that you want to learn more about Kaya. That's something I mentioned before. Yeah, totally. Um, next season, hopefully, we'll get much more about her. Maybe even before this season is out. Um, Let's see, you, you put, I also feel like we're about to have something big happen. Mm, uh, sure. I mean, and that may have been the results of episode 24, you know, which I want to talk about here. I'll talk about it on the next episode, but there's some bigger things. Yeah. Uh, basically, anyway, that's all I can think of now. Mark, Queensland, Australia. Mark, thanks so much for sticking with me through all these episodes. I very much appreciate the fact that you listen. And I appreciate the fact that you email me. If you would like to email me, uh, email me republiccityreport at gmail.com. You can also head over to Republic City Report on Facebook, leave a comment, send me a message. Now to kind of quickly address all of this Nickelodeon Legend of Korra online distribution stuff. Save the best for last, right? The main event here, <laughs> even though it didn't start out that way. Um, yeah, I found out about this kind of early on and this, and, and ironically ended up being right after I recorded an episode talking about how I felt like something bad was about to happen because the fact that this started off with very little promotion in a very short span of time, that was a bad indication from the beginning. And I knew that, and I just kind of tried to ignore it. Especially when the the season started off and it was so fantastic, and I'm thinking to myself, what could possibly be wrong with this show? I mean, this is, this is, I don't know. This may be my favorite season so far. I don't know. Remember, I haven't watched book one in a while, but I'm enjoying this season so much more by this point than I was enjoying book two by this point. 
You know, I feel like every, I feel like the characters are being developed properly. Everybody's getting time to shine. We've got great villains. We've got great action. We've got development. We've got details. Our characters are growing. We can see their growth. We can see how people have evolved since the previous season. Everything about this season is great. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, okay, it's a bad sign that not only did it start off with very little promotion, but now they're actually showing two episodes a week. It's almost like Nickelodeon is just trying to hurry up and get this show out of the way because they're afraid that enough people aren't watching it. And I guess that's true because I read a statement that came from the Legend of Korra page that they were going to switch over to online distribution. They're going to stop showing two episodes a week or any episode a week, period, on Nick.com as of this episode, The Terror Within. And then they were going to shift over and start airing them all online. Now, my initial reaction to this was that it made me very upset. I think something that I've mentioned before on this podcast is how much I enjoy watching The Legend of Korra on my television. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. It, you know, it may be I may be being a little bit picky, but I really do. Um, I have a nice TV, and I love watching Legend of Korra in HD on my TV with no streaming problems and all of that stuff. Especially now that I'm doing a podcast for, it. because now that I'm thinking about it, I watched Book One online. Because I remember it used to come on at like Sunday mornings or something. And I was just never awake for that. <laughs> and I didn't have a DVR at that time. So I was just watching Legend of Korra online and every week. And I remember the streaming being horrible. You know, and it may have just been my internet connection. But still. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that not everyone has the internet. And, 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 and people like me don't necessarily have the best internet connection. I mean, I don't know what my, my internet speed is, but it's not, it's not great, you know? And I just, I just would rather not have to watch anything online if I don't have to. And that's just how I am. I mean, everything on YouTube works fine for me, but I go to other sites and, you know, I can, it can get a little fuzzy and a little uh, pixelated. And that's not how I want to experience Legend of Korra. So that made me mad. The second thing that made me mad about it is the fact that Nickelodeon seemed to have such little faith in this show, in this season, to where they didn't do a good job of promoting it or a job, period. I mean, it popped up out of nowhere. You know, I had no idea that it was that it was it was time for me to resume my podcast. I wasn't even prepared for it. I just got up one day and checked Facebook and they were like, oh, next week, uh, Republic City. I mean, um, uh, Legend of Korra has returned. And I'm like, oh, wow, that was sooner than I expected. Um, so, I mean, I just don't understand the, how you what kind of a response you're res you're going to expect from viewers when they don't know that the show is coming back. You know, you didn't you didn't give it enough time. You didn't promote it enough. Now, here's something that I mentioned before, too, is that I honestly, in my heart, don't necessarily feel that Legend of Korra is a proper fit for Nickelodeon. So I can't necessarily be mad at them for kind of taking the actions that they're taking, because it seems like they're starting to realize now that it doesn't necessarily fit on their network. I hate the way that they're handling it because it's not the creator's fault, you know, that they misinterpreted 
you know, the type of programming that would do well on their network. That's not up to the creators of Legend of Korra. That's up to the executives at Nickelodeon. And they should have figured that out before they greenlit a book three and possibly a book four for the show. Now, with that being said, I have no idea what the future is going to hold for this show. All we know right now is that it's going to be online on Nick.com. I think Hulu and a couple of other options like that. Once again, I don't have Hulu. And I'm not going to go and pay for something like that just to watch this. So I am glad it's going to be on Nick.com and I'm still going to watch it and still going to do my podcast, but I'm not happy about it. And I, it, that seems to be the consensus is that most of the fans of the show are very unhappy about this. We don't want our show being disrespected like that. This show is great. This is a great show. You know, and people probably aren't watching him because A, because they don't know about it. And B, little kids... It's kind of a little too serious. It's not a serious show by any means, but it's probably even a little bit too serious for some little kids because I noticed that in the spot where they normally show that second episode of Legend of Korra, they put SpongeBob SquarePants there. So that goes to show that it's a very weird demographic that they're aiming for at that on that night during that time. And you're probably not going to get that demographic by showing the show at that, that that time to begin with and this show has been very much more geared towards adults in some ways than the last airbender was because well the last airbender basically focused around kids so they could relate to it but now we've got teenagers a lot of adults the legend of course so once again i can kind of understand why there is an issue but i don't agree that they're handling it in the best way and that's just the truth um, once again, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. That's how I feel about it. But once again, don't worry. I'm not going anywhere. This isn't going to change anything for me. It's just going to make my experience of watching the show a little less pleasant because now I have to watch it online. So that's my thoughts on that. And I know you guys were curious about that. Uh, feel free to send me your thoughts at RepublicCityReport at gmail.com. Now, one more thing here before I go, we want to talk a little bit more about this episode 25 that's coming up because it's coming up really soon. Um, In addition to the suggestions that I've gotten so far, which were all good, um, I just want to also open it up for the possibility of something maybe a little bit more simple. Something that I've seen other people do when they get around to special landmark episodes. Uh, For one thing, obviously, I will talk about that episode of the show. But I want to do something else a little bit special. So I want to say this. If you have any questions for me, uh, whether they be about the Legend of Korra or not, send me an email. If you're just curious about me and I've honestly, I've done some pretty interesting things in my life and some things that a lot of you would probably like to hear about. Because if you're, you know, they kind of tie into some very geeky sort of things like this. I mean, I'm a huge geek. (laughs) So. If there are just any questions you just want to ask about anything that's, you know, life related or some of the things that I've done before, some of the things I'm doing in the future or anything like that, uh, then I will just read some of those. And we can kind of talk about that stuff a little bit. Um, And, you know, I mean, I don't I don't know. And and some of you may not care about any of that, which is totally fine. But one thing, like I said, I've looked around a little bit and it seems like that that's usually something that people kind of respond well to because you're listening to someone talk about one thing weekly you get used to hearing their voice and you kind of get curious about some things so if any questions you want to ask about anything that doesn't even have anything to do with legend of Korra, send those in 
if I get enough of those, then we can probably make that 25th episode be something more special, a little bit more unique than just a regular episode. So once again, send me those as soon as you can, republiccityreport at gmail.com. So I'll take a quick moment here to remind you guys that this podcast is just one of a part of a network of podcasts that you can find over at awesomepods.com as well as facebook.com slash awesomepods. Um, we've got about five or six different podcasts there. I do another one that's called Geekly Dose. Uh, that's G-E-E-K-L-Y. Um, that's a much bigger podcast with a lot less nice language, I should say. But we talk a lot about geek stuff, comic books, comic book movies, video games. I actually have a co-host on that podcast. I also have our producer on the episode, so you get to listen to other people's opinion just other than mine. <laughs> uh, so if you're interested in that, you can check out Geekly Dose on iTunes. Uh, there's an 80s podcast, 80s Revisited, some friends of mine. Um, they talk about 80s movies and the kind of things that happened during that period of time, that era, so that interests you. There's a couple more, plenty of stuff there. Go check it out. Um, Begin a lot of positive feedback lately. Once again, don't forget that I love emails, but you can also head over to iTunes and leave me a positive review there, and that will really do a lot in terms of getting me more listeners. And you know, we can really turn this thing into something. So that way, if they do make a book four, then I can come back with better content, better just better methods, and we can really get something going here. So I just want to thank all of you guys for listening and sending in all your emails. I'm sorry I took such a long break there. I did get away for a couple days. Some of it was was work related. Some of it was uh, acting related, which kind of counts as work. Uh, and some of it was sort of a vacation. So that's something that, you know, I can talk about on episode 25 if you're just curious. If you're curious to find out what I did when I went out of town, I can talk about that. Just send me the questions and ask me and I will surely answer them. So I want to thank you guys once again for tuning in. Uh, so until next time for Republic City Report, I'm Tim Bridgewater Bender. Thank you guys, and I'll see you next time. Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.